You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Well, well, welcome everybody to the day with Trey. Top of the day to all of y'all out there. We have a wonderful Wednesday for y'all today. I'm so excited. Got a jam-packed show. So you know that means we're going to get right into it. But I'm excited because, of course, we're going to be hearing from Brian Callen about what's going on tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews right here on Converge at 7 p.m. I also have some amazing representative from the Office of Civil Rights in the building. My guy, John Page, is here. And also, we got Mono, who I'll be talking to both of them about the participatory budgeting process and I promised y'all we would stay on this story figure out where what is going on where is the money going how is it going to get distributed how can the community be involved so we're going to dive into all those details and I'm so excited because Miss Afua is in the building we're going to be talking about African Cultural Arts Center they have an amazing campaign that they are launching I can't wait to dive into all those details with her toward the end of the show but of course y'all know it's the top of the show so it's a great time to tag and share the stream. Go ahead. No worries. Tag and share this stream, y'all. With folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. If you can't watch us, don't worry. We got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network, The Day with Trey, and y'all will find me there on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. Pick your favorite platform and search for us. We are on over 200 plus platforms forms uh, when it comes to the podcast. Thank you so much to our podcast team for making that happen. And thanks to all of y'all who are sharing the stream and the podcast. We appreciate it so much. Um, but I, I'm excited because Brian couldn't be here today because it was so jam-packed and I'm so thankful that he gets to give us a good message from his booth of truth about what's going on tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews. Hey, Trey, I know we don't have too much time today, but I did want to make sure I covered a couple of our top stories that are happening. We're talking about them tonight on Seattle News, Use and Brews, right here on Converge at 7 p.m. First up, we're talking about the confirmation hearing for Adrian Diaz. Interim chief is going to become the permanent chief of the Seattle Police Department. A lot to consider right now. Of course, we have been talking about what the Seattle City Council has been doing with its budget, abrogating or filling those unfilled positions for the Seattle Police Department, actually taking those unfilled positions away from the Seattle Police Department when it comes to their hiring authority. There's been some changes over this. Last year, Adrian Diaz was not happy about this concept from the city of Seattle. Now, it looks like he's a lot more on board with it, at least what he's talking about in his confirmation hearing. So a lot to consider there. We'll be talking about those issues and what's next for the chief in terms of improving improving public safety on the city of Seattle, which is top priority. We're going to dive into that issue a little bit. Another thing we're talking about is some political news around the city of Seattle. You may have noticed this week, Seattle City Council member Deborah Juarez, the council president, she is not going to be coming back for a third term. She's actually told us that before. But then the other slightly surprising issue was just a few days before that. Council member Lisa Herbold for District 1 down in West Seattle, she says she is not coming back for another term, a third term. She's a longtime Seattle uh, City Hall insider, worked as a legislative aide before she was a council member. So a lot to consider there, too. What's the future for the council? It's future makeup. Well, let me tell you this. 
in 2023. That's really going to be the start of the election season right in November. You're going to be seeing races going all the way through November for these seven seven Seattle City Council slots for these district district seats that are going to be open. So we're talking about that. I'm with my co-host, Kevin Schofield. Be sure you join us on Seattle News, Views and Brews tonight at seven o'clock right here on Converge. Wow. Thanks so much, Brian. So much to consider in terms of all topics y'all cover. Uh, yeah. And definitely some shakeup in the political sphere there with Deborah Juarez and also council member Lisa Herbold. That is some heavy shoes there, y'all. And it's going to be needing some real people of color in these seats. I'm going to say it all the time. We need those from the global majority to show up. But go ahead, put your run in, put your name in the hat, you know, because one one of the things that I think the city Seattle City Council really needs is a diverse representation. Uh, with Deborah Juarez leaving, that's also a huge part right there of someone who has some insight into, you know, what our tribes are doing, how our indigenous folks are moving. So this is going to be interesting. I love that you guys are covering that. Make sure you guys tune in tonight at, at 7 p.m. right here on Converge. Uh, but I, I'm excited because I'm going to dive right into it today. I get to talk to my guy, John Page. Uh, what am my neighbors out there in South King County uh, who has been working with the Office of Civil Rights for quite some time and is going to be sharing some insight he has about what's going on there at the office and how they're moving into this PV process. Hi, John. Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you so much, Triana. It's a pleasure get a chance to talk to you about what we got going. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, this right here is something, uh, I think as soon as we heard the news that the participatory budgeting budget was going to go to the Office of Civil Rights, I hit you up like, all right, John, you know, I need to stay engaged. I need to be informed. But really, I want the community to know what's going on. Tell us a bit about Office of Civil Rights in general. What kind of things do y'all cover? So, you know, Seattle Office for Civil Rights, OCR, euphemistically known, you know, globally, we protect, we, we guard and protect civil rights, right? So we protect folk with disability. Um, we protect all the protections around, um, around civil rights globally, yeah. right? We enforce civil rights laws at the city level. Um, we do, um, and we do some policy work, right? This work around participatory budgeting, we created um, a division, a community investments division to really shepherd um, the PB process, right? So, um, and we've been engaged in this for about, for, for about a year. It came to us in 2021, some of 2021. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of folks were like, whoa, OK, maybe that's mm -hmm. a really great move, because I think some of the concern in the community is, you know, this PB process, is it going to hit the people that need it the most? And is it going to actually serve those who fought for this process to occur? Um, and so there's been some talk about that. How are you guys really stewarding the process to ensure some of those pillars of what the community was looking for are definitely in bed in the process? You know, um, Trey, you, you raise a really good point. And my colleague Manu is here to really get into the, the some of the weeds and we'll share some time. But one of the things about the, the the process, about being deliberate with engaging Seattle community around making sure all voices are heard and making sure these resources, this part of the budget, this approximately $30 million, 
go to the folk who the original intent of the folk who were out there protesting, you know, following the murder of George Floyd. I want to back up real quickly. I didn't I don't think I answered the question around what the what, what OCR does. So so not only do we do enforcement, right? We have enforcement division, but we also man, we staff uh, commissions coming out of out of um, city, um, Seattle City Commission, so Women's Rights Commission, the Women's Commission, uh, LGBTQ Commissions, and Disability Commissions, right? Mm-hmm. So just wanted to mention that. Well, also, too, I want to talk about your role specifically there because you are Community Engagement Director. Do I have it right? Community Investments Director. Community That's close investments. enough. Yeah. Yeah. But this is really important because for the Office of Civil Rights to understand that they have a duty to ensure that investments are happening in a proper way that embeds a civil rights uh, process, a civil rights foundation. How do you do that in your role, uh, John, as Community Investments Director? How do you do that? So globally, our whole intent is how does the city invest in community-based work, right, in ways that are equitable and in ways that allow the community to assess these investments, right, and dictate where these investment goes, right? So really, our whole intent is how do we get at the status quo? Because, you know, the cities, municipalities around the country have been investing in communities for a long, long, long time. And how do we move the needle? You know what I'm saying? And how do we take direction from community? Community, you know, we know folk closer to the problem are closest to the solution, right? And so that's our whole intent. And one of the ways we stay engaged, we have community panels that 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 rate that look at, at 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 RFP requests for proposal applications, right? We have one process where actually community decide, a community panel decided what the investment strategies are going to be, who the target um, target community, target applicants were. So staying in deep, real, transformational relationship with community. And, and you know, Trey, I'm, I'm going to keep it 100. You know, it's a dance. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a dance. And I think being accountable and being and showing fidelity to some principles, right, being transparent, being super communicative, communicative, right? Talking to folk, letting folk yeah. know what's going on. That's, you know, that's that's how we're doing it right now. Now that could could change for the better as we get more information, but that's how we try to do it. Well, one of the things that I think is, I, I wanna touch on while I have you here, John, is you really bring a unique lived experience that allows you to do this work in a way that comes from, you know, you, being a community member and having a wide variety of ways that you engage with community on so many different topics when it comes to equity, when it comes to um, undoing institutionalized racism. I mean, I have seen you be in community outside of your role at OCR that I'm sure also informs how you move within the office. I just want to talk a bit about, you know, your background that got you really uh, prepared for this role and how you bring all of that to OCR. You know, I, I stand on the shoulders of a lot of folk. I got involved in organizing with the Black Prisoners Caucus informed just and the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond based in New Orleans, People's Institute Northwest here in Seattle and the Village of Hope. Mm-hmm. Right. And folk showed me a lot of grace, a lot of patience and just gave some principles around how do you lead with relationships, right? Right, leading with relationships and not so much being focused, I think, on outcomes, Trey, 
but what's the process? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I hope I answered your question. Yeah. I got here. Yeah, I got here basically through the Black, the BPC, the Black Prisoners Caucus. I need to give a plug for the BPC, right? I got here through the BPC and through People's Institute, Village of Hope, and folk just sewing a lot, you know, Africa Town, um, a Black Starline, yeah. right? Uh, a Life Enrichment Bookstore. Those were the institutions. So I re-entered, you know, after doing after a period of incarceration. And those are the institutions, quote unquote, I re-entered. Yeah. Right? It didn't, you know, it's out of public schools, it wasn't University of Washington. Sometimes, you know, folk talk about, you know, re-entry like, you know, we're coming from Harvard's quad, right? You know, for black and brown folk, yeah. what institutions are we re-entering? And these are the people who said, Hey, we wanna we miss y'all. And we want to support the organizing work. And now those are revolutionary concepts to hear when you're doing a bid. Yeah. You feel me? Well, I do. And this is why I wanted to dive into it, because, you know, having spent some time with you and being able to be in community with you, I say that this these are the kind of people we need in these kinds of positions. And I think far too often we have a lot of people who actually are not rooted or connected to what's happening on the ground and particularly what's happening in community to be able to bring that to the office. And I think that to any office or government department or institution, whatever it is, for me, I go, there, there needs to be more of that. And we need to be able to build that bridge between the brilliance that's going on in our community and what needs to be happening inside of these offices. And I really appreciate how you said, you know, being led by community, which is so key here. So I'm gl- I'm so glad that you were able to join me today, John. Me and you could go on forever. I really appreciate you bringing your expertise and your experience to bear when it comes to this PB process. A lot of folks have been concerned about it. So thank you so much for laying a good foundation. Now I'll get to dive in more details with Mono, but I just want to thank you so much. And look right there. If folks are trying to connect with Office of Civil Rights, um, if they're like, hey, I want to learn more about these commissions, uh, you can tell them right there how they tap in. Yeah, so we're located um, on 810 3rd Avenue, but Seattle, um, Seattle Office of Civil Rights, Seattle um, Office of Civil Rights.gov, right? Telephone number 206-684-4500. Call, leave a message. If, if, um, if, you have, if you want more information on any of the work, any enforcement issues, any work with commissions, and particularly about uh, the participatory budgeting process. Thank you, Trey. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, John. Great work. Oh, you guys, I am so excited because we're going to continue this conversation with Mano. He is in the building. We're going to be talking about all of the details regarding the participatory budgeting process. Y'all don't want to miss this. We're going to get into it right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Join us this holiday season at the Fifth Avenue Theater and feel the power of love overflowing with the whiz. Filled with soaring soul and R&B songs, it's an effervescent explosion of music, dance, and magic your whole family will love. Ease on down the yellow brick road with Dorothy as she learns home isn't really where you live. It's who you love. The Wiz at the Fifth Avenue Theater, November 19th through December 23rd. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. Hey guys, Lisa Gordon here, and before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more, before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. 
Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. So excited to continue this discussion. Much needed information we all need about the participatory budgeting process with Mono from the Office of Civil Rights. Hi, Mono. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. You know, this right here is something that I, I'm so glad I reached out about because we said here on Converge, we wanted to be very steadfast in providing information to folks. And people kept asking me, what is going on with that $30 million? Okay, went to OCR. What are they doing now? Okay, there was a group that got hired. I really wanted to talk to y'all to get these details. And so, you know, what I know, the 30 million came into the office. You guys then put out an RFP to get a third party to really manage the process. Tell us a bit about that first leg of the work you guys had to do to get this ball rolling. That's right. We put out an RFP to uh, get somebody, a third party administrator to run the PB process uh, because we thought that having third party would be really helpful in making sure that all the community members can like fully engage uh, and that uh, this could be a fully community led process. Um, once uh, the the organization um, we that uh, got the contract is called Participatory Budgeting Project. Uh, and after a period of uh, contract negotiations, we started uh, working uh, with that. The participatory budgeting project is an outside, it's a nationally known, well-known organization who has been doing participatory budgeting work across the country and parts of Canada um, uh, and are the real experts in doing this, especially for something that's this important. We, we're excited to have them uh, be the ones that are taking the lead on this. Yeah, and this is uh, pretty extraordinary. I've heard a lot in terms of st uh, statistical details about this being one of the largest participatory budgeting processes that a lot of folks have seen. So it makes sense that y'all went to kind of an outside expert. I know some of the criticism I heard in community was, hey, they don't know how we move in Seattle and how are they going to get those details from community members and be engaged in what community members were expecting out of this in order to inform their process. So get it that they are gifted and talented in terms of kind of a national leader, but how have you guys been able to address how they're going to really dive in with true Seattleites and people who really were on the streets, you know, protesting for this money, how they're in, how that uh, level of relationship building is also informing their process and their decisions. That's why we really liked their proposal when they showed up, because they they knew that really engaging with community members, really building those relationships was key uh, to having a successful PB process, because ultimately PB, participatory budgeting, is community led. Um, and uh, as part of their work, uh, it, it's taken some time for them to build connections, to learn from community, uh, to engage fully, to make sure that community knows that PB is happening. That's part of the reason we're here is to let folks know what's happening with the PB process so people are fully engaged. We also have 
uh, or uh, the participatory budgeting project has uh, different ways that community members can engage. Uh, and we want to make sure that their folks are, 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 are going into and applying for this, these positions uh, so that, um, th that we do get the voice of the community. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's going to be an intentional, slow uh, process uh, to make sure that people actually trust us, to trust the, uh, the participatory budgeting project uh, and, and, and continues uh, to engage with them. Well, you know, just like I asked John about his role, I want to hear how integral your role is from the Office of Civil Rights in this entire process, Mono. Yeah, um, I'm the strategic advisor for uh, uh, the PB process, and I'm managing the, the contract with the participatory budgeting project. Um, and I'm also working to bring together people in the city itself um, uh, that have different levels of expertise of how like budgeting works, how um, specific departments do their work so that uh, PBP and community members can gel together with those with the with uh, with the city uh, effectively so that we get proposals at the end of the day uh, that. Um, we can move forward with. So that's really my job is to make sure that the the things happening on the city end uh, are really matching up with what's happening on the community end. Well, um, that's great to hear. And, and you also mentioned some roles that they need to fill. We have a slide here. I want to make sure people understand. Tell us a bit more about some of these positions that Participatory Budgeting Project, uh, be clear, it's not Office of Civil Rights that's hiring. It's the Participatory Budget budgeting project that is happening uh, and that where these roles will be. Tell us a little bit more about these some of these positions. Yeah, uh, PBP, the Participatory Budgeting Project, is hiring uh, three positions. Uh, they're the Community Engagement Director, Community Engagement Manager, Participatory Budgeting Coordinator, uh, and People's Fellowship Manager. These are all positions that we want people who are very familiar with, uh, or that PBP wants people who are very familiar with the community, have history within the community to really apply for. Uh, and these positions have been open for uh, a, a while, but that's only just because we want the best um, applicants coming into this. If, you if you've seen the positions before, uh, please look at them again um, and really consider applying and putting your application. Um, they, uh, work that we're doing here is really critical and important uh, uh, for the success of the PB process. It really is. And I think it's going to require people who were a part of the original process in terms of being out in the streets protesting. I've spoken to many uh, folks who are like, man, I need to do more now that we're no longer in the streets. How else do I affect change? And this is one of those ways to do that. Um, so if folks are looking to get involved, be a part of the participatory budgeting process and really be engaged with PBP. Uh, tell us how do folks do that? I think we also have another slide that kind of shows some ways to stay connected. But just tell us how folks can be doing that. Uh, the best way to do uh, to get in, engaged and involved and know what's happening is go to pbseattle.org. Um, that is the website that uh, the Participatory Budgeting Project has put together, and you'll be able to find um, all uh, of the critical information around the PB process, where where it is, the timeline, um, and you can and sign up. Uh, 
I think on there, you'll also see my information, my contact information, uh, man, or it's Emmanuel De Silva at Seattle. Uh, dot gov, uh, and then also Kayla, uh, who is the staff person at PBP, um, who uh, it, it, it feel, please feel free to reach out to her directly uh, uh, with the email that's on the screen. Well, this is exciting because you guys are doing the work to uh, a lot of folks were like, man, if it moves too fast, you know, maybe it won't really uh, have the effect that I think a lot of folks were looking for. And then some were like, well, if it moves too slow, will the money ever come out to community? Yeah. So there's this balance that I think has to be met uh, when we're talking about the PB process. And I'm just grateful that, you know, my show and this platform can be uh, of service to ensuring people know how to stay engaged with this, because a lot of folks have been asking and been wanting to know. And so I, I'm I'm glad to know that PBP is saying, look, we need to connect with y'all. We want to hear from y'all. Uh, not only do we have these positions, but there are other ways to be engaged and involved. And at the end of the day, you know, the, if the recommendations are really coming from a robust set of community members, not just a subset, but a robust set of community members who really have had divestment happen in their communities, they've had neglect happen in their communities, we need direct funding to really address a lot of the harms that were caused by those practices. And so uh, a lot of folks see PB process as being a way to do just that. So thank you so much, Mono, for your work on this. And please, y'all, y'all, I'll be tapping back in with y'all to say, where are we at now? You know, who do I need to be talking to? Does Kayla need to come on next to tell us about the next phase of this? Uh, we will definitely stay connected and keep this information alive for the people so they can stay engaged. Thanks so much, Mono. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh, great information indeed. And I'm so glad that even me, I'm getting informed during this interview and both of them to understand where we are with the PB process. Uh, we're going to bring it into some community engagement opportunities right after this short break with Miss Afua as we learn more about African Cultural Arts Center and their campaign that they are launching in 2023. You guys do not want to miss this. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. A world of wonder awaits at Pacific Northwest Ballet's The Nutcracker. Treat your loved ones to the Northwest's favorite holiday tradition at Seattle Center's McCall Hall. Tickets start at $27. Visit pnb.org. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now is Miss Afua. I'm so excited. Hi, Miss Afua. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. Thanks, Treyana. Thanks for having me. Pull your mic up so we can hear you. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you, Treyana, for having me. I'm, I'm wonderful. Well, you know, this is exciting because the last time we had you on, you guys were just about to be thinking about how to pull this campaign together and really share that this is a next phase of, uh, you know, creating a cultural arts center. Tell us a bit about this project. Yes, thank you. Well, this project represents the work of 38 years that we've already um, laid the groundwork for. Um, the African Cultural Arts Center will be um, launched right in the belly of Rainier Valley um, in the neighborhood of Brighton. And it's, it's going to bring about um, more awareness, arts and culture, the roots of, of Africa and African people. We've been doing the work but it's been more of a celebration. And now we wanna be able to have sacred space 
for the community that that lives and works there. Yeah, this is so important. And it really is another institution that is so needed. I love how uh, you talk about it being uh, one of those pillars really in the community of driving African culture home and having a place for it because y'all have been doing the work for yes. a very long time. And it's been something that so many in throughout all of our communities have been able to experience. But what are some of the things you're most excited for when you think about this center finally being done y'all doing the ribbon cutting tell us about some of the things that community can expect uh that'll be held there at the center well it's exciting right now because people walk by they're very interested they'll come they'll knock on the door and they want to get engaged just when we're not as accessible as we're facing forward we will for the first time have a public facing office because currently our offices have been in our living room. And so we're going to excavate the property. We're going to, well, first um, acquire it and um, excavate it. And then we'll have, um, as I mentioned, a public facing Adifua ACAC office. And then we'll have a boardroom. We'll have some ADA restrooms. Um, the property itself will be renamed to call it a living archive because that's who we are. That's the work we do. We we transition, we perform, we present, we honor our African culture, our roots, our heritage. It's a, it's a creative advantage that we want to sustain. And um, so we, we do offer year-round rites of passage programs for young girls of color between the ages of 11 and 18 years old. And this will allow them to have their sacred space as well. Yeah, this is beautiful. I mean, you, you know, when I think about all the things that you guys offer, um, you know, the rites of passage program is so yes. necessary for our community, particularly when we think about uh, young women, you know, finding themselves yes. and, you know, understanding who they are mm -hmm. and the power that they possess. I think it's so important. Uh, but you guys are also known for, you know, doing all of these cultural classes, dance, yes. um, understanding African heritage and culture, yes. the roots. So you guys provide a lot of different services out community and now all that's going to be able to be centered right here at the yes. center um, but also such a much needed facet of Rainier Valley I mean when you talk about the space in and of itself in Brighton like this is one of the most diverse uh, zip codes and diverse spaces that, that the city has <laughs> yes. and so it's great to know that you know African culture will be celebrated there uh, when we think about this campaign now you guys are launching this amazing campaign to acquire the space and to do this necessary build out tell yes. us more about the funding needed and how folks can stay engaged in that side of the work you're doing now. Thank you. Well, when we talk about the acquisition, we should have started talking about this uh, 38 years ago when we first opened the doors because um, the first day that we moved into that property um, to live there was the same day we, we opened the doors for the community to come in and be a part of the work. So it's been already acknowledged as a cultural landmark. Uh, we've had, um, as I mentioned, the rites of passages. We've had state of Washington visitation uh, sessions. We've had comedic temple meetings there weekly. We've had, you name it, um, so many events, so many blessing ceremonies have already existed there. And so the value is there, but what happened is during COVID, Right. Because we're always bouncing around community, you know, locations, just you call us and we're there. We provide 
the, the cultural necessities because our work is really an extension of the household, right? And yeah. so, you know, it's not only for young, you know, folks, it's not only for families, but it's, we want to also bridge that gap from our elders. Some of them have not had the opportunity. Most of them have sacred stories that there's no sacred space to really hold, you know, the continuation of our culture within. And so um, I just wanted to mention at first when we talk about the value of the work. Um, so, you know, when we, when we look at this space that we are going to manifest, um, we, you know, we want to start it, well, think about how you've already invested, right? And so now we're switching because we've never asked for monies before on this, on this type of a level. So um, it will take 300000 to acquire the building. The owner of the property wants us to take over the space and they will not charge us one penny over what's due on the mortgage. So that will take 300,000. And then we have, uh, we're working with uh, Jacob and Sons um, contractors and Blackstreet Construction. And they will do the excavating, all the, all the contractual um, and the capacity building. We're looking at um, Curtis Calhoun and friends um, to help us with growth strategies because our organizations have grown in the last 38 years and the community has grown. So how do we work together with our, our new ACAC board and et cetera? So working with growth strategies, construction, acquisition, that's a total of $800,000. And I know that there's initiatives out there that are supporting um, other organizations that are great, that are doing great, awesome, amazing work. And they are beloved um, uh, activities that are happening in their sacred spaces. And we want sacred spaces for African people in Rainier Valley. Mm -hmm. And that will come to 800,000. Wow. So what a major campaign you guys are launching. Uh, when you think about how y'all are doing this, you're coming and bringing it directly to community. Yes. I know you guys have other strategies, but how can community be engaged and help really support this campaign? Thank you. I did miss that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited to offer uh, community forums. We want community to be involved on every level that they're able to be. Um, we have our community advisory board. We have our strategic team. Um, and we also have event planning. There's so many different ways. If you would um, look on social media, under Adefua, which is A-D-E-F-U-A, because Adefua is our fiscal sponsor um, and the, the actual cultural anchor of this initiative. So African Cultural Arts Center will be Black-owned, Black-operated, um, as we fully uh, deserve to be. Um, and we're just asking for the support of the community because it will be you and your voices that will make this manifest. And we want you to join us. So um, we have www.adefuacenter.org. Adefuacenter.org. And then we also have just created a website, um, African Cultural Arts Center.com.
Wow. Amazing, Ms. Afua. Thank you so much for your dedication to bringing these cultural uh, traditions to our community, making us remember our ancestral heritage and brilliance and legacy. Uh, You have been so embedded community. I'm so grateful that you had time to join me today to share this amazing opportunity with everyone. Thank you so much for for everything you're doing. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. You got it. Oh my goodness, y'all. Of course went over, but it was so necessary to make sure that we capture all of this amazing content for you all. So you know how to be engaged, how to stay informed. Y'all know I was inspired by all of my guests here today. I want y'all to be inspired. Find the ways to see yourself as a part of the solution. I just gave you a couple of options right here, whether it's the participatory budgeting process or it's supporting African Cultural Arts Center. Uh, You guys have two amazing opportunities that have been shared with you today so that you don't even have to do the think work on it. Just pick one and find a way to be engaged and stay involved in these amazing opportunities to be supportive of community initiatives and to make sure that we are getting monies to the right things and that we are building our institution. So, of course, I'm inspired. I want y'all to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. And for me, until tomorrow, y'all, at 11 a.m. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.